You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Preaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to read along with it as we go through um, the, the healing of the man at the pool of Bethsaida. Um, I thought for a minute of really trying to come up with a sermon to go with the epistle of John because I thought it fit with baptism a lot better than what I have, but um, I'm not that quick, but thank you. <laughs> so um, let me follow along in the Gospel according to John, chapter 5 page 890 in your pew Bible, said after these things, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five Ruth's colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 35 years. And um, so uh, where Jesus goes to this pool uh, at Bethsaida, where there are a lot of blind and sick and aching, you know, people who are sick. And it's, it's so much like Jesus to go into a place that many of us would normally avoid. I mean, I think it would be strange for somebody to go out of their way to go to where, where people are sick and in need. And, um, you know, it, it can often make people uncomfortable to be around those who have needs, who are in wheelchairs or, or you know, we're, we're never sure how to act sometimes. And, and so, but Jesus goes to these people who are there and in need. Now, if you're following in, in some Bibles, you might have um, noticed there's no chapter four. Um, in, in earlier translations, uh, there was a little comment here that said, for an angel of the Lord came and stirred the waters and the first in the pool uh, would be healed. And I think that should be in a footnote in, in most other translations. Uh, th- let me say that's one of those things where getting older copies and older manuscripts of the Bible, we've been able to tell that um, this was a later edition. Most likely it was a little comment that a scribe wrote to explain to people why they were at the pool. What was the legend about this pool? But was not actually the actual text. And just want to kind of point that out to you um, in, in case you're, you're seeing that. So it, just one of the things that we learned after um, um, kind of that that was a later edition. But anyway, there's a man who had been there sick for 38 years, a long time, longer than many of the people at this time would have even lived. And so he very much identified with his illness, his weakness, and he was here at the pool. So then, picking up in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said, do you want to be healed? Now, that seems like a strange question, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't anybody want to be healed? Anyone who was sick for so long, wouldn't you want to be strengthened and to be healed and to be made whole? The man's answer makes us wonder, did he really? That maybe Jesus' question is, is hitting something a little bit deeper than the obvious, of course I want to be healed, because the man doesn't respond, yes. The, mo- the man doesn't come back and say, of course. The man doesn't seem to have any response that he wants to be healed. Instead, he gives an excuse. Verse 7, 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm going, another steps down before me. So rather than saying, you know, I want to be healed, um, he says an excuse why, why he is not what happens. And verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked, Jesus commands. Jesus doesn't wait for his permission. Jesus commands for the man to be healed. Get up, arise, take your mat. Oh, and he does so. And then we're told now that day was the Sabbath. This was a day that work was not to be done. It was a day of rest. And the commandment in the Bible was to rest from your ordinary work. But what we see here is um, the, the rabbis had built up a, or the teacher of the law had built up a long tradition of putting a hedge around the Sabbath to not, not get close to breaking the law. And so they had added other tasks or def definitions of work. And so this man whose normal job was not to get up and take um, uh, beds and walks was... Uh, of working on the Sabbath. Verse 10, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. In verse 11, but he answered them, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as it was a crowd in the place. So this is, raises more questions about this healing. In most healings in the Bible, you hear, he, he went rejoicing. He, he went giving thanks. He was worshiping God. But here there is no celebration. There's no gratitude. There's no thanking God for what he has done. No leaping and rejoicing. He, he follows the order. And then when he's kind of questioned about breaking the Sabbath law, He's very quick to deflect the blame. Don't look at me. The guy who said, take your bed and walk. I did what he said. It wasn't my fault. And so he's casting blame on another. He's not taking responsibility. And they ask him who it was. And this is amazing. He doesn't know. The, the man who freed him and healed him from 38 years of being an invalid, he didn't even bother to get his name. He doesn't know Jesus. There's no gratitude. There's no knowledge of who Jesus is. There's even deflecting blame away. And now Jesus comes to him in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus confronts him. Um, this is not in any way saying that all of our weaknesses and sicknesses are a result of sin. But he's pointing to the man and knows that the deeper problem is not his illness. The deeper problem is sin. Don't sin. Because not all that bad happens to us is a result of sin, but sin always results in bad. There's always consequences. And then, verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered and said, My father is working till now, and I am working. So now the one who did not show gratitude, the one who did not say, Yes, I want to be healed, now the one who had deflected blame, the one who um, um, wasn't taking responsibility, now goes and tattles on Jesus. 
it's a, you know, it's later time. And now he goes and says, well, I'm going to point him out to you. And, and in a way, he becomes one who is part of those who are uh, persecuting or prosecuting or coming against, against Jesus. I got to tell you, I've spent a lot of time thinking, now what in the world am I going to preach from this? you do with this here is a guy who healed who doesn't seem to want to be healed who almost seems to resent his healing what is john trying to tell us i mean this isn't a i mean it points to jesus's power yes it points to jesus's ability and and who he is it's going to set us up for a um, um, dispute over the sabbath and and what jesus claims to be and in, in being the son of god But there's also something else going on. Have you ever known anybody who was in a very bad condition? And over time, they sort of almost let that condition define them. It became their identity. It's now who they are. For some people, it is a, a, a disease or a physical ailment. This is who I am. I can't do these things. And, and who they are, you know, what they think of them, they think first off as a victim of this. For some, it's a financial setback or a career failure that happened, they just never seem to recover from a job loss or something where uh, things were going well and now things have changed. You know, you could understand after a few months maybe even a year or so, but after a while, it almost becomes who they are as somebody who used to be somebody else. Or, or there have been sad failures in relationships that have kind of just marked somebody as, as someone that something has happened to, or addictions, or things that we have done and we have paid the consequences for, but rather than moving on, we continue to identify as a victim Maybe you've seen some folks like that. Maybe you can kind of resonate with some of that, that it's hard to have devastation and difficulties in your life to not let that kind of shape and, and be who you are. And, and it is that when you are in a bad condition, when you are in difficult times, you learn to develop new habits. Your relationship with others becomes um, maybe the problem or, or something that uh, one in need of everyone else. And, and we can kind of start telling ourselves that if I just get over this, if I just, if I'm healed from this, if I'm, um, if, if I was back to where I was here, if I, if I could go back and redo that, if any of this could have happened, everything would have been different. And we kind of make our whole salvation about overcoming one part of our life. And there can be security in that identity. There, there can be kind of a, a sense of this is where I am and this is what I know and your relationships can say this is how we know how to connect with you and you develop new habits. And so any change from that can it sometimes be a challenge to the way you're used to living. If I could, you know, um, get past this, it would be good. It, it could be easy to think that all of our problems is on one thing, but, but for the Bible, healing and wholeness is beyond a mere absence of disease. Healing 
Faithfulness is more than just, um, uh, you know, one problem being solved. Healing and wholeness involves our relationships with one another. It involves our health, our, our being, and our resources, and our connections. But it's also our personal attitude. And it's also, above all, about our relationship with God. Here is this man... He has made the mistake of putting all of his um, identity in his weakness. And, and when Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be healed? Notice he jumps to the conclusion that the only way to define healing is being over this disease. The only way he defines healing is being immersed in this pool he doesn't have any concept that maybe healing can come to him from something else. So he's already defined the way that healing is going to take place. And beyond that, he, he, he can't see that Jesus might bring wholeness and healing beyond the way he's defined it and the way he has to take place. We can become trapped understanding of what salvation means, of what wholeness means, and we can be trapped in the ideas of that can only come to us by the ways we tell God it ought to come. A few years ago, I worked for the first time with um, Special Olympics, worked for a few years, and there, there was something about being uh, with a group of people I didn't know. Because, um, you know, when, when you have friends with um, um, impairments or disabilities, you, you know them as who they are. But when you meet someone for the first time, it can be very obvious to just try to define them as someone in a wheelchair or someone with um, visual impairment or, or something like that. And so to, to see several people that I did not know, an observer as I'm just volunteering, handing out water and watching them, I was struck as um, there was kind of the, 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 the marching around the um, track at, at Brighton High School. And it, it struck me as I watched the games and as, as this that, you know, they, they came through and for some to make a lap around the track took a lot of courage and effort and energy and it just struck me of the, the perseverance and endurance some people who just had, you know, real difficulty in moving exerted. And when I, sh I, or I watched some of the races, I was struck also not just by the, um, you know, the effort and the energy to go, but also the encouragement that was shown to other you know, participants and the way people would um, slow down and encourage others sometimes. And it just, it, what struck me was that... All the things that make us human, all the virtues that I want to see in myself and in family and for my kids, don't rely on physical ability or mental ability. Character that goes deeper than you know how fast you can run. I mean, it, it, I, what I saw was all that makes you know sports great is courage and endurance and perseverance and compassion. That's something that's available to all of us. And so there's a sense in which if we meet somebody and we just identify their problem, we overlook what makes people really people, what makes people really good, which is their heart and their character, their relationship with God. Also saw frustration, impatience, resentment, 
Because we, we can't just look at somebody and, and say, you know, you're a victim and classify you as this. What we realize is all the things that can make us sinful and wrong are also not dependent on our physical ability or our mental ability. And what we see is Jesus, I think, in this, showing us by taking away a man's physical ailments, showing his true spiritual brokenness. That as long as he could tell himself, if I just got healed, I would be saved, I would be whole, I would be well. And what he does is Jesus takes away the physical illness and physical brokenness, and it displays his spiritual brokenness. For he is now healed, but he is not healed. He's, he's made physically well, but he is not at all whole. He doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't take responsibility. He deflects blame. And he ends up participating in the persecution of our Lord. Though he is physically able to move better, his spirit is still broken. The one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside, to, to quote one philosopher. So the question comes to all of us, do you want to be healed? Are you limiting healing to a problem you have and a condition you're in there, then it's okay or do you want to truly be made whole? And realizing that coming to Christ and being made whole means being responsible, knowing Jesus, following Him, and He heals us so that now we can serve and love others. Now unto Him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.